What's up? What's happening? Welcome here to Lacrosse. Now he is Tom Eschen. I'm Travis Eldridge. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to everyone as we've made it to Thanksgiving week here, Tom. And so we're going to share a little bit of what we're thankful for. Yeah, you know, it's been quite the year of 2021. There's a lot to be thankful for now yes. that we've gone through 2020. Of course, people still dealing with so all sorts of stuff here in 2021. But of course, we get lacrosse back. And I think that's the overarching theme here of what we are thankful for at the end of the day. Yeah. Also on this show, stay tuned. We've got Sydney Watson, who just represented Team USA during the President's Cup this past weekend. Also a member of the UConn Huskies women's team. She joins us. So stick to stay tuned for that interview coming up. But it is Thanksgiving. Tom, yes, so it we're is. Gonna start with what we are thankful for in the sport. And I'm going to go ahead to start this one. We yeah, you tip it off a couple each. And you mentioned 2020 and how the year ended without anybody really having the opportunity to get any sort of closure, especially in the college game. And so for me, yeah. the return of college lacrosse was really this whole season was really when it hit me like, OK, things are starting to feel back to normal because even throughout and, and we follow all different sports and even throughout college basketball season, it just never felt right and the NCAA tournament was in a total bu bubble for college basketball it just was different college lacrosse by the end I felt like we started to get some sense of normalcy in terms of sports again and that is where it kind of hit me like okay this is this is the sport I remember these players are having an opportunity to go out win or lose but on the field and that was something they didn't get to do in 2020 I remember Talking to players like Granny Mint and Michael Sowers at the end of that, uh, Allie Kennedy at the end of that 2020 season, and they all weren't sure what was going to happen, if they were going to get a chance to come back. And just hearing them talk about how like their season just ended when they were on a bus or in a dorm room or in a locker room, yeah. and their coach told them, hey, that's it. That was really hard. And obviously, tons of people went through a lot worse in terms of this pandemic. But for these student athletes, you work all year your entire career to get to that point as a senior and you're hoping to go out on top and just have it pull pulled away was really hard so 2021 getting a chance to crown champions and go through some sense of a normal season i think was for me something i'm very very thankful for and personally like it kind of felt normal again getting a chance to do games on a weekly basis yeah and i think that you, you, you say it, it felt normal in the sports world, but I think it also made our worlds as a whole feel more normal. Yeah. I think that's what sports and being back, if you will, has done, you know, with the pandemic still going on at the same time, but trying to make sure we do things safely. But also, I mean, those that, that March and April and in the May and June of 2020, I mean, it, you, you sort of took a step back in your life and you were like, what? It just happened for a long time there. And like you said, with the athletes, that's how, how they were feeling, too. And I think that's everybody sort of felt that a lot more. And, you know, as people started going back to work and seeing things, you know, come back. And I think that that's a great example of, of sports just sort of helping people feel normal again and seeing what the kids and, and athletes. And, yeah, they had to deal with just conditions and things that they had never experienced in their lives. We talked to coaches all season long who, you know, even after the season, they're like, yeah. yeah, we got hit by COVID hard like three times over the course of our year. And somehow we're able to, you know, piece this season together with team, you know, players that weren't able to make it for some days and whatever. And, you know, being able to overcome all of that and be able to have a champion at the end of the day was like, okay, like this is back the way things are supposed to be.
Yeah, I mean, to give you some perspective, like there was a team we were getting ready to do a game, and there was a team that because the player was so young, they had to stay in the dorms. They couldn't be in an off-campus house. And because of the school rules, there was a mini outbreak of COVID in the dorm complex. Right. Yeah. And just because of that, that player wasn't eligible to play and travel with the team. And that player ended up being an important player in the beginning part of the season for this squad. And so that just gives a perspective, like completely out of the player's control team. Like you, you talk about like controlling what you can control. That was completely out yeah. of their control. And they still made it, uh, found a way to make it work. And I think by the end too, with the NCAA tournament, like there were fans back in the stands there in East yeah. Hartford at, at UConn. And it just like the atmosphere felt like the atmosphere we know Final Four weekend should be. Yeah, absolutely. And of, of course, we hope it stays that way and continue to trend in that direction. And um, continue to move forward in that. All right, yeah, so, another so. good season coming up in 2022. Yeah, we should be fun. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go with the league that we haven't seen in 20 months. So that's the NLL because, you know, I'm so thankful. At, so you're not thankful we haven't seen them? No, I'm not. <laughs> I, obviously, I wish we had them on the floor, of course, and, and their dynamic league that is so entertaining and fun to watch. And just the fact that I think Nick Sakavich has done such an incredible job, and you're going to hear we talked to him um, a couple days ago, sort of on the eve of the NLL season and comeback, and and we both talked to him, Travis and I, uh, right prior to cancellations of their seasons, both in the last two years, and the approach they took was the one that I think for a lot of people, for the people that have maybe maybe able to adapt and you know do as best as they can through the pandemic and and everything post pandemic is the NLL was like all right we're going to now use this and say how can we make our league better and that's all they did these last 20 months they went to work when they weren't able to go to work and i think that that is one of the more yeah. incredible things i'm thankful for that mentality that they took because their track record almost spoke for itself despite the fact that they weren't able to play. You bring in Wayne Gretzky, Dustin Johnson, Steve Nash, all in one fell swoop, and it's like, man, I don't know how they did it, but here they are, and they're growing, and they're putting teams in places that haven't had lacrosse in a couple years or even ever, if you look at Las Vegas, and now you get those roots back. And, and of course, we're living in you know a, a time in professional lacrosse in which – the PLL is the league, and Athletes Unlimited obviously is the new for the women's side of things, but there aren't teams rooted anywhere. And, yeah. and that was, that to me, in, in terms of sport, that's one of the more important things, and you have that sort of hometown feel. And the PLL, of course, they tour along, they see different sites, and for them, that's what works, and that's fine, and it's different, but you get once again, a team in Texas, and you get to grow the game there and have those organic sort of, you know, outreach days, and you get the local kids coming to the games on a weekly basis. I think I'm really thankful that the NLL has decided to continue to do that, and now you're going to see the, the results of that here in a couple weeks. I think the most impressive part about what the NLL has done is it would have been really easy for the league when everything shut down in 2020, and then everything kept pausing and then they realized they weren't going to have a season last year at all like they did everything they could trying for bubbles and different stuff and just wasn't going to work would have been really easy for the league just to say I don't know how this works like yeah. they had <laughs> I mean it, that the interview that Tom hinted uh to with Nick Sikamich the NLL commissioner coming uh, next week here on the show so stay tuned to that make sure you subscribe and check out the YouTube page for that full interview as we preview the NLL season coming up but 
I mean, he admitted that for a lot of the owners and the ownership groups, it, it hit them hard. And not just their NLL teams, but the other things that they own, because a lot right. of them own, whether it's arenas or other sports organizations, like they have ownership stake in, like all of those things got hit hard. Yeah. And so for them to all stay the course for the most part, really only one team moved in, from New England to Albany, but Nick Sikiewicz feels like that is a, a positive move as well because of the ownership they have there in the arena situation. So for that all to stay in place is really, really impressive. You talk about being thankful, like Nick Sikiewicz and the, the league has to be really thankful that they are partnered with people that yeah. decided, hey, I'm still staying in on this because right. I believe in you. I believe in this league. I believe in the sport, and I think we can make something happen. Thank thankful for those sort of acts of faith, despite the fact that they the league hadn't seen the floor in a more than a year. Yeah. And, you know, and of course, you have work stoppages and other things that happen in sports where you don't see leagues for a significant period of time where money is lost and players don't get paid. But I mean, for the NLL to do that yet grow while that was happening to me, I, I just I can't look past that. It, it's incredible. incredible. It's an incredible story. And it's a tribute to everything that they had built up to that point. And I, I, it's 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 great. And I can't wait to see what happens here. Well, when the season starts, especially considering like you, you look at how they make a lot of their revenue it's fans being in the stands yeah something we haven't really seen a ton of until as of until recently of the last like year and a half so for them like that's a that's a big deal and i hope knock on wood i don't have wood around here anywhere but knock on wood everything they're able to keep full fans in the stands yeah. whether it's canada united states everybody's safe but we can have a, a product that everybody can watch. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, one of the more exciting parts that we're going to look forward to soon here with the cross in this fall. All right. So my second thing I'm thankful for that happened over this last year here in the sport, one pro outdoor league on the men's side. Mm. Because, I mean, selfishly for us, when we had Major League Lacrosse and the Premier Lacrosse League both working at the same time, like, it, it, it's really hard because you're trying to put context to who are the best players in the world, who is having the best year, like all these different things. And as we found out, like, honestly, it was split. Like we had MLL players who had their first opportunity here in the Premier Lacrosse League this year. Guys like Lyle Thompson, Max Adler just won a championship with the chaos at the faceoff position. Guys that made an immediate impact in the PLL that Everybody knew when they were playing in Major League Lacrosse could have done it. They just chose to stay in the other league for whatever reason. And so having all of the best players in one league on one playing surface, again, for me, selfishly, in terms of somebody who really loves the sport, was awesome. Because, like, my first several years in Major League Lacrosse, when I was, like, I didn't watch a lot of it until I took this job here at LSN. So my first several years watching Major League Lacrosse and having a chance to broadcast it, all I could think of was this product is incredible Yeah. because you take the college game when it's played at the highest level and especially before the shot clock, you took the college game at the highest level and you sped it up with some of the with all the best athletes who are playing in college now bigger, stronger and faster playing at the pro level. And like, yeah, it, there were times that it was sloppy, especially early in seasons because players are trying to figure stuff out. But, like, you could argue sometimes the college guys, even when they have a full spring of leading up to it, the first several games are sloppy. But, like, the level of competition and level of play and the things that these guys were doing in the MLL and still are now doing the PLL, 
is through the roof. So for me, like having all the players in one spot was great. And I honestly hope that the PLL succeeds moving forward because like that's the elitist level of outdoor lacrosse yeah. is what we're seeing in the field in the PLL. It, I mean, even they even took it even faster than what the MLL was seeing. Shorter field. I mean, the excitement level is unbelievable. The things that these guys do, like they're like some like they're good players. They can't even imagine doing them. Like that's how good these guys are. Yeah, I mean, and, and it also sort of took away, like you said, some of the the questions that were around and some of that competitiveness that you you don't want in a sport. In, a, in two leagues, you know, one pretending that the other doesn't exist, one just trying to say, hey, look at all this tradition and history we still have. It, it was. Kind of awkward for for a lot of people and fans. I'm sure you know you. Some of you aligned yourself with the PLL. Some you know saw through some things and were like, "Well, that doesn't rub me the right way. Why, why would they go and just not even act like the MLL existed after a while?" You know what I mean? Like that yeah. whole thing was was sort of taken away when you got everybody. Now, what you, whatever you have to say about the way the merger happened is what it is. But the fact that now there is one league in the outdoor game. And I think that that is the most important thing. And, you know, the PLL recognizing records a little bit more and, and sort of finding out, you know, what they're all about and how they can lean on some of that history with these current players, with the past players as well. And I, you know, they'll embrace that more as time goes on. Of course, with what happened between the two leagues, it was going to be bitter. It was a breakup, you know, just like anything else. They're trying to live in the same house together. Now they aren't They're they're There's one in that, that house. So I think that moving forward, you can only get better from that too. Yeah, some of the history too, like guys like the, the John Galloway and Joe White had these incredible careers in Major League Lacrosse and played together before, but like people are not mentioning the Rattlers yeah. when it's essentially almost the same team that they have now in the PLL with the same guy who is leading right. them in, yeah. in Tim Sudan. So I mean, once again, some of it's selfish for me because I really did come to enjoy what Major League Lacrosse had done in the last several years of the league and like the ins and outs of it, the camaraderie, the, 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 what these players go through on a regular basis. And they still do it in the PLL trying to make sure they're ready. They're getting to places at the right time. They're, they're playing at the highest level, all these different things. They still go through it when you have to, when you're trying to play professional lacrosse outside, it's just it, indoors too. In the NLL it's the same thing. Yeah. So Knowing what all these guys go through and now just being able to feel like you can sit back and enjoy it and watch it. And there's one league and all the best players are there. To me, it, it, it feels right. I'm thankful for it. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a good point. I like that one. That was good. Um, all right. So I will now go back to the Team USA thing because we had, of course, the President's Cup with the women this past weekend. And just seeing those events return and have some of these weekends back, I think, it's really important for the sport. And of course, leading into the pandemic, there was all sorts of like Olympic momentum and talk. And I know things happen over the course, you know, of the time that everybody wasn't getting together all the time, but still it was like, yeah, like they get the recognition and everything's going forward. And then you don't have events for yeah. a long period of time or even getting countries together. And we had heard that from team USA, you know, the women getting ready for their, their championships and having those things pushed back as well. Cause we had, you know, we were getting ready for the U19 men going on now. It's U21. Yeah. But just to be able to have the best players in the world and see the college players intermingle with that now these past few months, I, I think is is something that maybe we took for granted a little bit beforehand. Yeah, I'm and great. I'm thankful that that is back because if 
you, you sort of go along without that part of lacrosse, you feel like something is missing because that, I mean, is an important part to any sport is the the national team. And we do, of course, Travis and I, a lot of international sports these days, uh, you know, and on their sister uh, affiliate, uh, FTF. And you see the importance of playing for a country. And I feel like that was taken away for a bit for in lacrosse, where you're just sort of looking at the professional leagues and college, and you're missing that side of things where these teams just couldn't get together. You couldn't see Granny Man and Rob Pinnell go play with each other. And I think right. that was the cool thing about the, the Fall Classic was like, oh, finally we get to see some of these guys. You know, the college players have sort of grown up into it, and then some of these guys play together in pairs on the national team. And I think you hit on something when it comes to Team USA that's really important in the sport, and these events, I think, illustrate it. If you're talking to somebody, and, and I do this, that isn't a big fan of lacrosse, doesn't know what the PLL is, doesn't know about professional women's lacrosse, maybe only knows a little bit about college, the second you say Team USA, it doesn't matter what sport it is, nobody really has any idea what the different competitions are, but as soon as you say you're representing a country, it matters to them. Mm. So these events, when it's USA versus Canada, or even when it's USA versus the Virginia men or USA versus the BC women, you get those things together, automatically there's some kind of recognition of, oh, this is supposed to be the best players in our country. Yeah. And so people can immediately catch on to that. And I think it's something that is a big selling point for the national teams um, for the sport of lacrosse and enables them to grow the game in ways that some other leagues can't because there's automatic name recognition. Like, somebody may not know who the Philadelphia Wings are or the Chaos Lacrosse Club is, but immediately when you say Team USA, they know what you're talking about, no matter what sport. You're talking about the best players in the, in the country. Yeah. And so I think that's a big selling point. And having events like this, whether it's the Fall Classic, the President's Cup, and having all these... Uh, youth players around having a chance to watch players wear the red white and blue it gives something people it gives people something to aspire to and it's to try to be the best in the country at any given thing and i, I think that name recognition and that ability to to see that team out in the open and and see them live is important yeah it, it, it's funny you mentioned that because you know you see the instagram stories and the posts from the players as they're going and they're wearing the, you know in those posts their team usa gear and like the airport and i was like oh imagine like being in that airport walking through like oh like there's a team usa player you know what i mean doesn't matter what it is I'm like oh that's lacrosse like, it says usa lacrosse it says usa yeah. lacrosse you're like curious about it and you're like oh i mean they must be getting together like i don't know what they're preparing for but like that immediately gives it even that much more legitimacy as well to your sport and, and sort of belonging on that national stage at the same time. Uh, also thankful for just a quick aside when it comes to the international game, thankful for like the continuity of all these organizations to make sure that we will have world championship events. Like you talk about the U19 now U21 world championships that were supposed to happen in Ireland a year and a half ago that yeah. is now hopefully cross your fingers going to happen this coming summer. And then the women's world championship supposed to happen this past year at Towson, Maryland. Now, hopefully we have it this summer. Like those are big events for the sport on a global stage that hopefully we get to see. And they, you're right. They could have canceled those. <laughs> especially the, especially when you have to cancel at the U19 event twice. Yeah. But like these, right. these players are now in college, but they were promised the, you you go through that entire tryout process, yeah. and you're especially for the the U nineteen now U twenty one team. Like you go through that whole process, and you're one of the twenty two or three. 
players selected to represent yeah, Team USA? Because I think when the pandemic hit, like they, they were down just, to like the last cut. Yeah, right? it was exactly. Close. It was yeah, like they did the, the whole thing. We did the event in Texas. That yeah. was the team. Like yeah. that's the squad. Like your top, you make the top 22, 23 guys in this country for your age group, and you're gonna be your promise. You yeah. get a chance to represent Team USA, and then you have that taken away two years in a row. Like I really hope they finally get a chance to do it because uh, it, that's just. As heartbreaking as losing the end of your college career, the opportunity to represent your country when who knows if you get that chance at the senior level. Yeah. You, I mean, you just never know. Yeah, absolutely. So thankful for the, the return of international lacrosse and getting everybody together. And even goes if you, you know, you're not from the U.S. and you're watching this, even if it goes beyond that to yeah. these events happening around the world when it comes to these sixes things and whatever, I think it's been really cool just to see all that crop back up again and definitely good in moving the sport forward. Yeah, absolutely. And we are now about to be joined by Sydney Watson. Just got her first weekend with Team USA down in Dallas. Uh, such a cool thing, of course, now going on to her last year with UConn. Sydney, thanks for coming on. I'm sure it was a really fun weekend for you. Of course, yes. It was so much fun, especially being my first time down there with this team. It was incredible. What, what was, I guess, did it live up to your expectations? I guess, how do you feel now coming out of it as you look back over the course of the weekend? It surpassed my expectations. I knew going into it, it was going to be a fast game, competitive game, um, a lot different than what I may have seen before. And it was exactly that. Playing next to um, the best players in the country was absolutely amazing. And I was honored to be invited and get to play next to those players. So, I mean, you show up, you get to all the gear, you put on a jersey that says USA. Like, Take me back to that moment. What's it like? Moment of shock. <laughs> um, they actually sent me a um, box of gear to Connecticut, um, obviously because this one wasn't in Sparks, Maryland. Um, I opened that box and my jaw just dropped. Um, it's just an honor that I can't even put words to. Um, and especially next to all of these women that have been doing this for a long time, being the new face. I mean, it was definitely intimidating, but the entire team was so welcoming, um, helped me out any way they could, and it was a truly great experience. Yeah, what what did that mean to you, knowing you know your you know where you come from, your backstory, your family, and all that? What did it mean to, to be able to, to to say you know you you belong there and you're a part of this? It means everything. I mean, definitely coming from Southern Maryland when I was getting recruited, lacrosse wasn't very big here. Um, it's honestly a goal that I feel like all young girls have at a young age. Um, and I can truly say I never thought I would be able to get to a place like that. Um, I mean, I am very happy with my choice of going to UConn, but UConn isn't one of those big name schools that are usually have players invited to these types of events. And being from UConn and getting invited there is just something that I will always remember and always be very happy and proud to have done. How'd you play? How do you feel like you did? <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I did all right. I mean, keeping up with these players is definitely tough. Um, I had to work extremely hard to um, <laughs> show myself and be able to be on the same field as these players. Um, 
Of course, it being my first time, I'm going in with all these nerves and everything like that. But I am proud with the way I played. Of good. course, there were times where I could have done better, but I am happy with the way it went. Okay, good. That's yeah. a, that's always a, that makes things feel pretty good <laughs> at the end of the day too. Not that you wouldn't have played yeah. well, but you never, you know, you get into that atmosphere. It's so like, all right, here we go, right? This is it. Yeah. Yep, thrown into it right away. <laughs> Sydney, in uh, learning more about your story, and you, you mentioned growing up in, in Southern Maryland and in, in hearing your coach at UConn talk about recruiting you, it's not like you were going to all these big national tournaments like some other different players. Now having an opportunity to represent the country and you're there at a big national tournament with all these players from all over the place that, that want to be where you are ultimately now wearing the red, white, and blue in Team USA. What do you think your story can send to some of those other players knowing that, hey, maybe if we aren't recruited by the Marylands, the North Carolinas, the whatever, I can still get to this level? I mean, I think my story can show younger players that even if they don't get these opportunities that you can still work towards it. Just because you don't go to those schools or you don't get to travel to all of these places doesn't mean you can't be one of the best players there are. Um, we got to guest coach teams this weekend, and I got to guest coach a team from Kentucky, and they were sharing that they don't get to get they don't get noticed as much as other teams from the Marylands and northeastern areas, and they're just happy to get to places like this and get seen by anyone. And I was I told them I understand this completely. You just have to put the work in and reach out and do what you need to do to make yourself known. Yeah, and you've used your voice not just for that, but also as a black woman in this sport. You know, what does it mean for you to have this platform to help those that feel underrepresented, um, you know, in this in this world that you have obviously done so well in, but and also serves as an example of what can be done there, too? It is a huge honor to play at this level in general, but especially as a woman of color, I mean, lacrosse is a predominantly white sport and not many girls of color think they can be at this level or be as good as everyone else. But I want to show them or be that person for them to see that you can do whatever you put your mind to, no matter what you look like. If you love the sport, play it. Show other people that you're just as good as everyone else and there is no difference. What steps do you think lacrosse needs to take um, to be more inclusive and, and to help people like you feel more welcome? I mean, I think there's so many things that can be done. I mean, I think like me right now, hearing the stories of how I got here, um, how being black affected me in this sport, hearing everyone's stories of what they're going through, what they have gone through, um, will always push the game in the right direction. Being inclusive as a team, have, making sure your team supports you, supports everyone, um, are the smaller steps that can be taken. But I mean, we're going in the right direction now, but there's always gonna be more steps that can lead us closer where we wanna be. And I, I think one of the cool things for you now, especially with how hard you've worked and, and the level you've gotten to is now you have more of a platform. And I, I have to think that has to be really cool, especially now you're on a UConn team that made the NCAA tournament a year ago, you get another year. What is that platform, whether it's representing Team USA, helping put UConn more on the map in terms of the national scene, what does that platform mean to you? It means a lot to me. I mean, coming to UConn, you know, I came in not expecting to play. I didn't come in with that high head that I thought I was a great player. I mean, 
these coaches helped me improve my game tremendously over the years. And I'm happy that I could help this team be able to be seen. I was talking to a few people at the tournament and they didn't even know of UConn or lacrosse. And I got to share with them that, yeah, this past year was the first year in a bit that we got to the NCAAs and got to play against teams that we don't normally get to play against. Um, I think getting UConn and these other schools on the map is helping to grow the game. I mean, yeah, a couple of years ago, you went three and 14. That's quite the turnaround yeah. to, to yeah. seven last year, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> that, you, yeah. you experienced that and went through that, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, as a program, we've definitely had our ups and downs, but we've been resilient through all of it. And that was not the season we all thought we were going to have. That wasn't the season we wanted to have, but we overcame that obstacle and continued to grow after that. Yeah. Well, what was the difference this past year for you guys? I think COVID gave us a little bit of a, we have something to prove here. We started off that COVID season um, that got cut off five and two. We were already doing things that we wanted to do. We were going in the right direction. And when that got cut off, um, we wanted to play for that team. Those seniors that didn't come back and didn't get to continue their ride, we wanted to push and definitely, like I said, have something to prove. And I think we that yeah and I can imagine like you said experience playing some of these bigger schools and bigger programs like playing in a Big East championship playing an NCAA tournament that has had to help you give you some momentum and fall ball be like okay now we know what it looks like right now we know sort of for what sure. we can build on going into the next year for sure especially playing Virginia I mean we obviously did lose that game but we were neck and neck with them until halftime and even a little past halftime. So we proved to ourselves that we can play with these bigger schools. We can compete. We just have to want to outwork them. Yeah, scored 13 goals in that game. Yeah. Sydney had a hat trick. Yeah. I mean, come on, <laughs> right? Yeah. You got, you're right there, right? <laughs> yep. So back to this USA weekend, a lot of content coming out of the trip to uh, the Cowboys stadium, uh, AT&T stadium, Jerry World down there. Are you a Cowboys fan? <laughs> I am not a Cowboys fan. Um, I'm actually a New Orleans Saints fan. Um, oh, okay. We're not doing we're not doing too hot right now, but um, <laughs> being in that um, stadium was absolutely amazing. I mean, being on the field and just seeing what the players see when they're out there, it was absolutely amazing. Right. I mean, it, it just it's so big, right? It's it's got to feel so big. Right when you step because you were on the field, right? Like you got to yeah. see look and look around, and be like, wow, this is <laughs> this is insane. Yeah, huge. And um, our tour guide were giving us all sorts of facts. And we were like, this is insane. Like a few of the players when we got down on the field were like, wow, I thought the star in the middle of the field was so much bigger. <laughs> um, just the little things about the entire trip were great. How many like Cowboys fans were there in the group? Like you're because obviously it's, it's Team USA you're from all over the place. <laughs> Charlotte was definitely the biggest yeah, fan. Uh -huh. She had her jacket on. Um, <laughs> she was starstruck. It was so much fun. <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah. That's really cool. Hey, you know <laughs> what? I, I think it's really cool for the sport to have the, the stadium Twitter account tweet out a picture of you guys there uh, right in the middle at the 50-yard line. I thought that was a really cool moment. Yeah. I mean, we want to grow the sport. We want more people to know about USA Lacrosse and them posting that definitely gave us more outlook on other people who may not have known about it. Um, just having the support of <clears throat> other sports, professional or not, is definitely a step in the right direction. Hmm.
Well, uh, Sydney, such an incredible honor for you to have the opportunity to represent Team USA. We thank you so much for the time. I know it's been a crazy travel weekend <laughs> for you. You get to go back home for, uh, for the Thanksgiving break. But uh, good luck as you get ready for your final year there at UConn, and we'll be watching. Thank you so much. So thankful for that conversation with Sydney Watson. She was awesome. See what you did there. You know, thankful. Yes. See, she, this she is, was awesome. That's though. what this is all about: being <laughs> thankful for for what we have. And I think we all learned a lot of lessons the last couple of years. But yeah. you know, moving forward, I think it's an exciting time to be a lacrosse fan and to see what's going on. You know, it seems like there is good news on a pretty consistent basis these days. And I'm looking forward to seeing how that sort of comes to fruition. You know, in the future. Well, we hope uh, lacrosse is part of your Thanksgiving celebration. Uh, tweet at Lack Sportsnet if you've got a lacrosse game maybe instead of football. Yeah. Uh, back before. I was just going to say tweet us yet. photos of your food. You, you know, the turkey, whatever you want to do there. Too, we already but. see. There's already enough of that on Instagram. I want to see the lacrosse stuff. Okay. Well, if you play lacrosse, then you can do that do too. That. <laughs> anyway, that's all the time we have this week. Remember, NLL preview coming next week. We've got interviews with Dane Smith from the Bandits. That's a great one as well as Commissioner Nick Sikevich. So make sure you tune in uh, next week here on Lacrosse Now. But for Tom, I'm Travis. Have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, one and all.